He's giving these seduced look. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubbs at the Club, your University of Idaho affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, joined as always in the background. He's got a name I'm not allowed to use anymore, but Martin, holding it down in Moscow. How's it going, dude? It's going good. It's slowly getting quiet as the students leave for winter break, but it's 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 been a good day so far. And look, if you're watching, you can see Dallas Hammer's not here. Uh, look, my voice is still kind of recovering a little bit from Saturday, which we'll we'll talk about Saturday briefly. But I'm the host whose voice is okay. So da- Dallas, he's just just couldn't make it, not possible. So we have a backup. And uh, if you're in the hashtag only Tubbs Discord, patreon.com backslash Tubbs the Club, you're already familiar with Patrick Frakes' work. But uh, Patty, first time co-hosting the show. How's it going, dude? Doing all right. Uh, just made it home last night for a Christmas break from Moscow. So we're working with a, a nice janky setup of a couple cardboard boxes with a laptop on top of it. But uh, doing good. Uh, disappointing end of the season, but 
exciting season. Yeah, we'll probably talk to that. Uh, talk about the disappointment part in a second. Uh, viewers can see a special Easter egg by Patty. Like my dusters in the background, it's always there. There's a uh, there's a more disappointing uh, Easter egg in this episode. Uh, if you guys notice it, just make sure all all um, all expletives, all hate is directed at Patty as swiftly as possible. But hey, bring it on! Look, we have some disappointing news. Obviously, Idaho lost. We have some just news. We got to talk about the transfer portal. And then, of course, overall good news. Because in spite of some disappointing stuff, guys, I've, look, this was the third best season in Idaho's FCS slash 1AA history, or tied for the third best season in Idaho's FCS 1AA history. So in spite of losing a playoff game, which sucks, look, this season was a celebration. This season was an overall victory, but we have a Band-Aid we got to rip off briefly and we're only going to talk about the loss to Albany for a little bit because, look, some, some guys transferred right right after uh, this game, so we, we have to hit that. But that also means the takeaways are a little bit less relevant than if the roster were intact. But, uh, look, Idaho, in a, in a game that Idaho did not trail until until four minutes and 38 seconds left in the fourth quarter, Vandals go down. 30 to 22 in Moscow to the Albany Dukes. So it's, it's, it's knows the Danes, the Alban, great, Albany, Albany Danes. Danes. Okay. Well, I'm going to purposely screw up their name because Idaho's going to be the shit out of them first week next season. But the great Dane, look, the great Danes pulled off the win. Um, you know, the tail of the tape again, Idaho led or tied the entire game. Uh, Idaho gets on the board early with a 36 yard touchdown pass from Giovanni McCoy to Jordan Dwyer. Uh, a little bit back and forth um, from from then on. Idaho never Idaho never led by more than nine. Idaho did pull ahead by nine on a five yard touchdown run by Anthony Woods with nine minutes left in the second quarter. But uh, look, Idaho had no answer at all for for Brevin Easton, wide receiver for Albany, and in addition to to Brevin Easton, who. Nine catches, 228 yards, and three touchdown guys. That's all American level numbers. Um, look, Hayden Hatton had 12 catches for 135 yards. That's an incredible game. Easton, 228 yards and three touchdowns. Idaho had no answer defensively and for for Easton. And Reese Poffenbarger, quarterback for Albany, the guy who finished number two to Giovanni McCoy in the Jerry Rice Award uh last season. Uh Poffenbarger outclassed. The, he outclassed McCoy. That was it. Like it, like plain and simple. Poffenbarger was the best quarterback Vandals saw the entire season counting Giovanni. Uh, Poffenbarger goes 24 of 41 for 341 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he did, he took, he did take, he took two sacks, uh, but also rushed six times for 13 gained yards. So with that as the background guys, Patty real quick, uh, takeaways from this game yeah i thought the defense played well for most of the game they just could not stop easton and Puffenbarger made some big big plays uh i i think a lot of there was some individual performances on the defense that i was fairly impressed with re-watching the game back but we just really struggled when we had a db one-on-one with a linebacker in space or db one-on-one with the running back in space and we had that multiple times on third and like mid distance downs and we just could not get that big tackle on defense and it that happened two or three times on that touchdown drive 
when uh, they went ahead. And then uh, offensively, like the first half, we looked okay. I was really impressed with the way that the line played against that front six, I'll say, because they're more of a four-two-five. I, I was seriously impressed. Like they had pressure, but they only gave up one sack all game. That is ridiculous against probably the best, most talented pass rush in the country. They lead the country in sacks. Now, hey, pause real quick. Idaho, you're saying Idaho gave up one sack. You say yes, they. yes, yeah. And I was overall, I was like really, really happy with that, especially with Knappet going down in the first quarter. Uh, yeah, just felt like they made a few more plays than Idaho did offensively, and that kind of was the difference. Well, yeah, and hey, Ron Lowney in the Ron Lowney in the comment section, he's a Montana State fan. He's ecstatic to pile on a different school for having kicking troubles. Ron Lowney saying, seems to me your kicker left nine points on the field. Hey, Ron, it was 10, uh, which would have given you a one-point win. So, hey, that that's that's a there's two parts to this story about the kicking game, which, hey, Lowney brought it up. Ricardo Chavez goes three of six in this game, missed three field goals. Chavez had missed two field goals on the entire season heading into heading into the Albany game. He missed three this game. So, yeah, I mean, hey, not to put down Chavez, he had a great Vandal career, had a great season. This was easily his worst game as a Vandal. Um, I don't like put the loss on Chavez because Idaho shouldn't have had to kick six field goals. That what the, the Vandals were able to move the ball against Albany, but it was what. From the Albany end, this is, was a 100% bend-don't-break game where the Great Danes, they didn't break. Uh, Idaho was pretty dang close total yardage-wise to what Albany put up. You know, Albany put up 461. Idaho put up 424 total yards. But Idaho turned that into 22 points. And 22 points is, unless, look, unless you're a nationally elite defense, and Idaho, look, they are strong defensively. We're actually going to get to what the heck the team's actual identity was as we keep on moving. But it's hard to win when you score 22 points. It means you have to have a nationally elite level of obviously allowing fewer than 22. Albany's got an offense. They had a great quarterback. Yeah, also on the ground, man, Greg Woodle, uh, running, sorry, Griffin Woodle, running back for Albany, he rushed for over 100 yards. So there you go. And then, to move on, because now, look, we, we don't have many takeaways from this game other, I mean, because we have some guys leaving. Here's the other part of the news from this game. The Vandals have four dudes in the transfer portal. So if you watched the Albany game, you got to see the final outing from Anthony Woods, rushed 16 times for 104 net yards and a touchdown. Soft, True sophomore Anthony Woods, he's in the transfer portal. Giovanni McCoy went 24 of 43. Also, McCoy had a man, we didn't hit this, didn't hit this. We did not hit this enough. McCoy had an awful second half. Absolutely awful uh, per, com, completion wise. Uh, it was first half. We, he, we certainly had some moments. We had a few drives in the second half, but McCoy missed a lot of passes in the second half. Um, that's part of why the offense sputtered. McCoy went 24 of 43, 317 yards, one touchdown. He's in McCoy is in the transfer portal, redshirt sophomore. Uh, we also know Therese Trainer, two catches for 21 yards. He's in the transfer portal. And Marcus Harris, uh, junior cornerback. He it's weird to call him a junior because he's been around for a while because of the COVID time. All those four dudes are Marcus Harris, he's in the transfer portal. So all those four guys are are gone, which I bring that up, Patty, and throw it to you in a second. 
Um, before we talk, the reason why we're not talking about the Albany game too much is lose, losing those guys means we have a very different team we're looking at next year. Um, so, Patty, let's let's hold off on talking about what some of those transfers mean until later because I want to shift now into our overall takeaways from the season because, look, this was a fantastic season for Idaho. This was an unbelievably fun season for me. I, I was truly sad. Uh, when the game was over one, I don't like my team to lose, but second, it was so much fun having the dome be pretty packed a good amount of the time. Hey, Idaho drew over, um, over 9,200 people for both playoff games and the environment of the dome was rocking for both those playoff games. It was a great showing by the fans, but Hey, throw it to you. Just like it's an instant reaction to a show, but we're talking about the season on the season, Patty, what went well for Idaho? Um, I, I want to say the first thing that jumps out at me is young guys making big impacts that we didn't expect, especially defensively. Uh, standouts like Afalava, X-Ray Alexander, uh, Jackson Eck had some great games. That was kind of the story of the season for me was those young guys coming kind of out of nowhere and making their presence felt. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, then that youth sort of showed a little bit. Uh, and well, 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 offensively, Hayden Hatton had another amazing year, All-American year. Uh, Giovanni McCoy had a solid season. Anthony Woods had an also a very solid season. I would, I thought he played amazing, especially with an offensive line that was a little young. So, I mean, I think those are the big points to hit right, right away. The secondary defensively was also very solid believe they were something like sixth in passing yards allowed going into the Albany game. Uh, I'm not sure how that uh, ended up after giving up 300 yards to Buffenbarger, but yeah. Okay. There's uh so we're going to hit a few, a few of those points a, a little more in depth, but Hey, McLean Westbrook in the comment section saying with entering the portal, McCoy will likely never face Idaho state in his college career. Obviously, the reason why McCoy hit the portal is is concern about the Idaho State defense after he saw Jack Lane throw six touchdowns against Idaho State. So, look, you, I want to talk about youth because that, that to me, especially youth on the defensive side of the ball, like it, on the offensive line too, uh, that was you know some of the growing pains we saw earlier in the year. But youth on the defensive side of the ball, guys, what you should notice is as of this recording on December 12th at 7.06 p.m., Idaho has not lost any of their underclassmen on the defensive side of the ball to the transfer portal. That is a huge deal. Um, 100%. And I, look, I know Marcus Harris is gone and he's technically an underclassman, but Marcus Harris took part in senior day festivities. He's been around for a while. He has an extra year because of the COVID time, whatever. Um, he's, he's fulfilled his degree obligations. Most fans, uh, most fans and alums understand a graduate transfer as being something different than a person who packs up after a year or two. So on the defensive side of the ball, we're losing Marcus Harris as a starter. We're losing Trey Thomas, middle outside linebacker, but he, he also with Eck out the last couple games, he played a lot more in the middle. Um, Trey Thomas is gone. So, Hey, uh, glad about the Vandal careers we had from those guys, but that's nine defensive starters. I believe who are going to be back Patty. So, yeah, I think one other senior, Ben Bertram on the D line, but he was not 
Okay. He played solid, but he wasn't a standout like Marcus Harris was. See, this is why we have Patty on here as the crack research team. So, okay, five – we have eight eight returning starters as well as a, a lot of rotational pieces coming back. So, defensively, um, honestly, that was the identity of this Idaho team. I, I We'll hit that later on, um, what this Idaho team actually was, and some of that's going to be in the what did not go well section. But if you want to look at Big Sky Conference stats on the season – Idaho, the number three total defense on the season, giving up 22.1 points per game. That counts the playoff games for Idaho. Talking about total defense, Idaho is the number one total defense in the big sky. Gave up 307 yards per game total, which counts the Albany game, Patty, like you, which you're asking about. Uh that's pretty damn good for a crew that was that's very young overall. That's the number four rushing defense in the big sky. That's the number one pass defense in the big sky. You know, a little bit buttressed by the big sky quarterback play wasn't fantastic. But, hey, every big sky team we're talking about played those same. Not necessarily that great quarterbacks. So the big thing to me is defensively Idaho was way better on the season than people expected. Part of the, the Vandals didn't force as many turnovers, which seemed to hold the team back a little bit or held back the reputation of the defensive squad a little bit, probably unfairly, but this is a strong defensive team that was real young. And Patty, you already hit, you hit a couple of the guys, but actually Alexander true freshman started good amount of the season he's back jackson Eck at this point he's back dallas Afalava, he's back Keyshawn james new newbies sophomore mm-hmm. well he's very likely back because he already he's already transferred once so he doesn't have a uh, penalty free transfer left until he graduates but uh, tommy mccormick at this point back for sure so a ton of the defense back a ton of the guys that i think would be hard to explain how you replace you, you replace them they're back so i get hey before we we pivot away talking about the defense patty just any any takeaways you had watching the watching team for the season? Because a hey, spoiler alert to people who are not members of the Discord, uh, Patty spends a lot of time breaking down tape. Um, he's uh, he's starting to do some write ups on upcoming teams for tubs for for the Discord. He did it against Albany. Likely going to happen relatively weekly during the actual season. But for, from the perspective of someone who knows the game pretty well and pays him a ton of ton of attention, any. Other takeaways beyond, hey, Idaho was strong defensively that you think alums should kind of should keep in mind heading into the next year. Uh, I want to hit on how good some of those young guys played. Like you, when you think, oh, the freshman played, he probably played okay and was serviceable. So you think he's, you know, a great player. Uh, I want to say X-Ray had a, a couple like 10 tackle games. He was, I, I was very impressed by his ability to, go sideline to sideline and make tackles. And he had a couple lapses in tackling, but overall I thought X replayed amazing this year. Jackson X ability to stuff the run really impressed me. You notice that in the Eastern game, he comes in instantly, the run game gate shut down. And uh, two other guys that I, I was really impressed by in the front seven. Well, I guess I'd say three. Amari Notice and Afa Lava at the D-tackle spots were just – they caused chaos this year, and I was really impressed by that, especially Afa Lava this year coming in. We didn't really know much about him as a freshman, and he comes in and he's clearly defensive tackle one for this front seven. And uh, like you said, Keyshawn James Newby, I totally forgot to mention him earlier, but he 
he was really impressive on the edge, and I, I think we really missed him when he missed some time with injury earlier this year. But uh, I, I think that's mainly all I got. Yeah, hey, or, or Monty Arnold, starting cornerback as mm-hmm. well, number eight. Uh, had He had some moments he was picked on, but hey, he's a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arnold also had some moments where he looked pretty dang good this year. So Beecham hey, had a great game versus Montana State also. Okay, exactly. So he brought, hey, that's something that went well is – Idaho, ton of ton of young dudes defensively who produced who at this point they're coming back. Um, something else that went well, I just I talked about for a second. I just want to acknowledge this. Um, this was the th- the third best FCS season Idaho's ever had. Last at the end of last year and in uh, press conferences heading into the 2023 season, Jason Eck talked about how in 2022 Idaho beat the bad teams. They beat the okay teams, but minus the win over Montana, the 2022 Vandals didn't really beat good teams. And the next developmental step for this team is you got to beat some of those good teams. On the season, Idaho played five playoff teams. If you want to pretend Nevada, if their FCS probably doesn't make the playoffs, but hey, FBS wins matter. Um, Five playoff teams plus two FBS teams. Idaho picked off three wins against playoff teams. Their two playoff, their two losses, which were to Montana and then Albany to close the year. Idaho didn't get blown out. Th- th- those were competitive games, wire to wire. Those were games where the result was in doubt until deep into the fourth quarter or until the last play had been snapped. So developmental step taken of moving from being pretty good to being look, they finished with a four seed, Patty. It's uh there's three teams that had a better seed than Idaho on the year. That's pretty dang good. Um, I guess the, the thing that went well for me that I'm hitting at in a backwards way is Idaho took developmental steps from last season. Uh, the Making the playoffs and losing the first round was not an end point. Idaho earned a bye, got those three wins against, against playoff teams, plus beat Nevada, picked up a home win in playoffs, and then – yeah, hey, they lost, but every every single FCS team, their season is going to conclude on a loss. So I guess, Patty, with all that as background, I guess anything, you, what, what is, what's your take about seeing Idaho take developmental steps this year? No, I, I was really impressed by Idaho. Um, I was wondering, we had a, a tougher schedule this year than I think we did last year. And so I think preseason, like going to scrimmages, talking with, you know, Martin and stuff. And I was sitting here and I was like, I wonder if we're going to have a pretty similar record to last year. And no, we took that step forward and went and beat some teams that probably were favored over us. And, and um, overall, I, I was really impressed with how Idaho attacked this year. It wasn't, there didn't seem to be complacency. It really felt like a step forward compared to last year. And I, I think overall the team was way younger than it was last year. So it, I think coming into the year, I had some doubts thinking we might, you know, be a little bit of a step down or about the same. And we ended up, you know, taking a step up. So I was really happy with that. Yeah. So the, the other, another thing that went well on the season, um, Vandal fans showed up there Again, it got to just reference 2022 because that's the backdrop. If you guys went to that first Jason Neck game against Drake, there there were fewer than 4,000 fans there. Um, Idaho on the year averaged right around 10,000. If you count the playoffs, right around 10,000 fans per game, which I know the listed capacity of the Kibbe Dome is 16,000. Yeah, dude, it doesn't hold 16,000 when they, they give the band an entire section. 
So, which I like that they give the band an entire section, Patty. Uh, so look at 9,000 plus when the fans are condensed into it, it feels like that's over 80% capacity. Mm-hmm. No, literally it's not. But my experience of the game sitting on the alum side of the playoff games is that felt like 80% ish capacity. And it had the energy of more than 80% capacity because everyone was into it, the playoff games. But Vandal fans are more bought in on this team as they're winning games. Vandal fans reacted to the playoffs pretty damn well. It's It can be tough for some FCS teams to get people to show up to playoff games because you have such little notice of the games, especially if you win that second round, Patty, because that, that means you got about six days for people to make their travel plans because you actually got to be there on the day of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was huge for the alums, or it was a huge development for the alums that more and more people are buying into Jason Eck. More and more people are okay with the, FC, with the FCS, which, hey, get comfortable. That's where Idaho is until there's an invite, and there's no invite coming with no other Western Conference guys for a while. We're getting less and less discussion about people being upset about where Idaho is and more just accepting, hey, this is a fun ride I want to get on. And look, look, Patty, I guess maybe you can talk about your student experience here because Patty is, is a student at the University of Idaho. I guess let you let's compare what you saw last year to this year as far as environment. How how do you feel about it? There's definitely just you know in class and stuff more talking about football. Like uh, last year, I really didn't hear anything about Idaho football. Like if you just go to class, hearing people talk. <laughs> nice, thanks, Kyler. Um, but this year like there was a clear step up in just popularity of the football team there was a clear step up if in the amount of students that were there and overall i you can tell i think the student section was a little extra nasty this year was the the word i'm going to use to describe it because we were getting in opposing teams heads like you could tell just visually watching it and that could be a good thing that could be a bad thing but I personally think it's really fun. I it my example for this is right before the Montana State game when their kicker is down there kicking his uh in the in the net before that game tying field goal attempt. When he, hey, pause real quick. Did he actually get the ball in the net? Uh yes, he did. He did okay. actually. Okay. But he was standing there looking real scared. I think I think Martin uh actually mentioned that also on the instant recap show. He was looking real scared and students were right in his ear. Uh, they also did that right before the Southern Illinois game, right before the uh, game-winning kick attempt, right before that. Students were in the kicker's ear, and I know it probably would have gone in if we didn't tip it, but still, like I, I think the students being there is a real factor, and having more students in there, having students being more rowdy in there makes a difference in the games, I believe, and uh, I, I think that's great. Okay, I, I want to hit the comments section for a second. Look, we have Taylor Cash bringing up that weather hurt the playoff attendance, which, hey, Taylor, you're right, because, hey, there was snow. It was snow and icy. I mean, hell, it, I got back from the last playoff game. I live in Coeur d'Alene. That's a 90-minute drive. I got back at 3.30 in the morning uh, because of the amount of snow. I know that the, some of the there were some of the, the highways up heading north from the Boise area for the first game against Southern Illinois that were closed. I know this because listener, one of our good buddies, Nick Davis told us about seeing the roads closed right as he was going past him. So 
100% weather did hurt the playoff attendance, and the playoff attendance was still good anyway. Then we got, hey, crew had 76 saying the crowds were better than in 1998. I was not here in 1998, but I'm going I'm to take your word for it, crew had for sure. And uh, also want to, hey, crew had 76 saying, hey, I hated the drop down, but I love the stability. Like, we're, we're not here for that talk. Uh, because there's no news, so why would we? Uh, Mark Triplepiece saying, I saw people at these games I haven't seen in 25 years. So, hey, that's look, that's the experience. Our lived experience appears to be shared by a lot of alums who are paying attention, which is more people are showing up, some people who are previously not bought in or who are down on the move. Like, they're okay. They're fine with where Idaho is. And the playoffs themselves, hey, I'm going to say that as another thing, that, another thing that went well, Patty. Um, the playoff experience was just kick-ass. It was oh, yeah. fun having the selection show to wake up to after the Idaho State game. It was getting a bye kicks ass because we knew there was another home game. Gives you that week to pay attention to another team that heading, you know, heading into the playoffs. I didn't give a shit about Southern Illinois until they're on Idaho's schedule. And then look, that win the winner go home environment. You look, football doesn't really get it, get it that much. Even if look at the FBS level, Florida state goes undefeated and doesn't make the, the playoff there. So look, it, that is a kind of unique experience to actually making the FCS playoffs. And I got to say my lived experience of being at the games, being at and living that intensity. I loved it, Patty. Look, you, you've oh, yeah. experienced it as an Eastern Eagle. So, you know, again, Hey, everyone sees the Easter egg behind you. I guess, how did this compare for you? Because you've been to Eastern, been to a lot of Eastern games. You've certainly been to some Eastern playoff games. Oh, yeah. How did this compare to the Eastern Eastern playoff runs you've watched as well? I Okay, I am an Eastern fan through and through. Don't take this the wrong way and run with it, you people. But the Idaho playoff experience is a lot different than going to games in Cheney. There was 9,000 plus people in the Kibbe Dome, and it was loud. Uh, playoff games in Cheney, they only get, you know, 6,000 people maybe on a good day. And I think a big part of that is having the dome. But, like, an established program like South Dakota State, they just broke their playoff attendance record last week, and I think it was about 10,000 people. Like, getting 9,000 people in the dome for a playoff game is huge. Like, Montana's Montana, Montana State, North Dakota State are the only programs I know of that have ever had consistent you know plus 10 plus thousand people type crowds in the playoffs and so having that big crowd was awesome to see just from an eastern perspective of it that makes me a little jealous that we can't get that many people in there for cheney football games in december it's cold people don't want to travel in the bad weather so i mean idaho has the juice to get so many fans in the in the stands and i was really impressed by that Last thing that went well for most of the season is special teams. And, and what, hey, and I say, I'm leaving out some stuff. Hayden Hatton's an All American. He had a kick ass season. Anthony Woods, Patty hit it earlier. Anthony Woods had a, had a kick ass season. So I don't, not trying to skip over some of the individual accomplishments of, of the team. I just think if you're a listener, a regular listener, you probably understand. Look, Anthony Woods. On the season, gained 1,155 yards, rushed 16 touchdowns. Hey, huge deal. Stoked about that. Uh, Giovanni McCoy passed for 2,910 yards, 15 touchdowns, eight picks. Uh, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to McCoy overall in the season, but McCoy certainly had, especially 
through the Montana State game. Uh, McCoy had a had a very strong season, so hey, great there. Hayden Hatton, I get it's so easy to just blow by Hayden Hatton because he's good, nationally good all the time. But acknowledge the stats one last time because Hayden Hatton made it pretty clear in the presser. He's he's probably he's done. Hayden Hatton, 1,231 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, ends his career as the all-time with the all-time record for receiving touchdowns in Idaho history. Uh, had a career that virtually no Idaho Vandal is going to be able to touch, or if you can ever touch it, man, I'll I'll be stoked to be on that ride. Uh, Jermaine Jackson finishes his Vandal career just one uh, receiving touchdown on the season, 593 receiving yards overall. But this kind of this dovetails into the other thing I want to talk about that went well, minus the honestly minus the Albany game. Albany was easily the worst special teams outing for Idaho, other than Jermaine Jackson. Uh, Special teams in Idaho was pretty dang strong for most of the year. Uh, Ricardo Chavez was reliable as hell all the way until that last game against Albany. Uh, Jermaine Jackson more or less won the game himself against or brought Idaho back to life by himself against Southern Utah or Southern Illinois. Uh, was one of the best punt kick returners in the nation. Uh, Vandals didn't another benefit for Idaho special teams. The special teams just didn't really make many mistakes on the season until that that last playoff game against Albany. So want to acknowledge the special team guys while we can. Patty, uh, before we uh, hear hear from, well, I know it's not your favorite whiskey because it's not allowed to be yet, but anything you want to add about special teams before we pivot? No, Jermaine Jackson, Jermaine Jackson was phenomenal, and he's one of the best punt returners I've ever seen paying attention to FCS football for 10 years, and that's including – Cooper Cup used to be a punt returner for Eastern, and I think Jackson's took back more in one year than Cooper Cup in three. But um, yeah, oh, I was really impressed. Uh, Chavez had a solid year. Hogan Hatton, very consistent long snapper. We're gonna miss him. Shout out to Hogan Hatton. Um, and I don't think there'll be giant drop off. Um, number forty-seven. I cannot remember his name. He'll be punting next year, and I think he's gonna be solid. But uh. Overall, yeah, I, I I love the consistency and Ricardo made some big kicks, uh, especially that long one at Sac State. I think that was his 53 yarder he hit after getting ta- taken out on a punt. So he had his he had his right ankle taped up and then kicked a 53 yard field goal with a taped up ankle. That was pretty impressive to me, and I was super stoked about that. Yeah, on the season, Jermaine Jackson, uh, two punt returns for touchdown, averaged 18.44 yards per per punt return. Then kick return averaged 26 and a half yards per kick. No touchdowns on kick returns, but still a hugely impactful dude. So Jermaine Jackson's going to be missed. We have to talk about the other side too. Uh, but before we get there, something that always goes right right in my house is there's always some Snake River Stampede Canadian whiskey available. So you can't go wrong with whichever option you go with. If you get the Snake River Stampede, the standard, that's $25.95 a fifth, $45.95 a handle, the only size I buy. Uh, double barrel finish with first full bourbon, then Oloroso sherry casks. If you want to celebrate a big day or, you, hey, you want to celebrate a third best F season in FCS season program history, grab that 1915 small batch. It's aged an extra two years, and it's double barrel, barrel finishes, first full bourbon, then ex-Canadian rye whiskey casks. Whichever one you go with, you can't go wrong, so go get yourself some Snake River right now. Patty, um, 
And hey, let's just go through this one point by point, um, producing it, hashtag producing in public. We do have to talk about the other half, which uh, to just clear my throat for a second, Idaho is go finish the season in the final eight of the playoffs. They're going to finish the season in the top 10 of the FCS. We know that the Vandals are good. With that being said, so we don't have to say it again a thousand times, Patty. So what went wrong this season? I'm going to hit on the defensive angle first. Third downs just killed us defensively. Uh, we were 96th in the country in a third down co- conversion percentage against. The teams converted 43% of their third downs against us. And I think that showed in the Albany game a little bit where we had those lapses of tackling and guys were able to just skirt the five yards for that first down when we had them wrapped up in the backfield. And uh, I think that's that's the first big point that – stood out to me. So I want to throw, I'm going to throw it back to you again, uh, because I think you're in spite of Idaho being strong defensively. um, I mean, I I don't think anyone would confuse Idaho as being similarly disruptive to let's say Montana defensively. Uh, I I don't think Idaho, anyone would accuse Idaho as consistently tackling as well as a school like Montana, though Idaho did have their, their times, of course, again, they, we, we already hit their good defensive stats. This was a good defensive team, but how much of the at times lapses and tackling would you attribute to youth versus maybe some, some guys just missed tackles. They missed them too much. I think this was a little bit of a story of two halves. Also early in the season on the tape, I saw a lot of missed tackles from like veteran guys. I know Matthias Bertram had a few tough games with missed tackles. So did Trey Trey Thomas. Thomas. Sure. Yep. And um, those young guys came in and they had four or five weeks of just being real strong tacklers. But then, you know, in these last two games, actually uh, missed the game, ta- the tackle on that fourth down run by uh, Poffenberger to kind of seal it. Um, or it was, I think it was third down run, but there were some missed tackles by young guys later in the year. Uh, Baker squirmed out of a lot of tackles from a lot of sacks from young guys. And so I, I think it's a little bit of both, but the one good thing to see is those veterans really lock down their tackling later in the year. And I think that's going to be the trend. I think the tackling is going to improve as we go on and see these guys get older, get more experience under and in the system. Yeah, when, when Idaho struggled, the the times they did defensively, I mean, I, I think you mostly hit it. Like the biggest culprit was, it was just missed tackles. Uh, like East the Eastern game, which Idaho won, hey, 44-36. So game worked out. But part of why Idaho struggled against Eastern as much as they did is making contact, just not bringing guys down. Uh, and, you know, hey, like like you brought up against Albany, uh, the tackle, look, it was, it was a relatively well documented as far as, people who covered the FCS or the big sky as a whole that hey, Idaho just didn't tackle as well as like your Montana, Montana, Montana state, and sometimes Sacramento state. And when the Vandals had trouble, it was, it was a tackle monster. That would some, some that would very often be the culprit. So no, um, hundred percent want to co-sign that. I think the biggest thing that didn't go well, and Hey, Mike Colts in the comment section saying blown coverages is, was Achilles heel yes. as well. And Hey, um, you know, like a, one that really comes to mind was Matthias Bertram second half uh, on one of one of the three Brevin Easton touchdowns. Uh, Easton just got past him. I'm gonna. Now, push you're back about to correct on this me. One. Okay. 
I'm going to push back on this one. It looked like we had a too high safety look in our safety that was supposed to be covering that side of the field, covered a receiver going the other direction. And I think you're kind of betting on your pass rush to get home there. And they Poffenberger made a play, squirmed out of it, and Matthias was just the closest to him. Uh, there was definitely plays where Matthias got burnt in coverage, for sure, but that specific one, I remember going back and like, how is there 20 yards? And I realized, like, I think it was Mervyn Kenyon followed a receiver on a seam route on the other side, and that was just great play designed by them. And if we were able to wrap up Poffenberger, that play doesn't happen. Okay, but as far as a dude getting 20, mm-hmm. 20 yards out, you are telling me yes. you're not saying that was necessarily Matthias, but you are yes, fine yes. calling that coverage that was that yes okay thank you. <laughs> so um i think the biggest problem for idaho is i oh man um it, it's surprising to me that to bring this up in in one sense but another sense is not which is reputationally idaho's an offensive team and i also think with how often jason i like jason net goes for it on fourth down a lot i also feel that Eck and his staff understood this as a strong offensive team. And the reality is on the year, Idaho wasn't a very good offensive team. Um, I know in our coverage of the team, I think everyone, uh, including again, us and everyone we talked to kept understanding Idaho to be something else than what we were seeing. And each week, it seemed like there's a reason why Idaho might not have had as many points as you know we expected. But look, on the year, Idaho did not pass 30 points with Giovanni McCoy as a starting quarterback after October 7th against Cal Poly. Yeah, Idaho State happened. That was also a guy who did not. That was Jack Lane, who we're stoked about Jack for next year. We might hit on that later. But the guy who was the understood starter for Idaho was Giovanni McCoy. And the games McCoy played, I'm not saying this was strictly on McCoy, of course, but when the starting quarterback was was there for Idaho, the Vandals, second half of the season, they just they just were not that great a scoring team. And if you go go through game by game, the look the the back to back weeks of Eastern and Cal Poly, um, Idaho scores forty four against Eastern, forty two against Cal Poly. That's after having scored thirty six against Sacramento State, although kind of a phantom thirty six with that late. Uh, scoop and score off a desperation, you know, Sacramento State fumble. From Cal Poly on, the Vandals score 21 against Montana, 24 in a win over Montana State, 27 against Northern Colorado. However, only 20 of those belong to the offense. Marcus Harris had the saddest pick six in the history of pick sixes. 29 in a loss to Weber. Now, already covered Idaho State 63, but different context. Also, Idaho State. McLean, you you were there, McLean Westbrook. Idaho State uh, surrendered immediately uh, with the first snap of that game. Then the playoffs, the Vandals scored 20 points in a win over Southern Illinois, um, of which, depending on how you want to count, Patty, either 7 or 13 were offensive points. 7 you know, came on special teams touchdown. And then 22 to close out the season, which if you look at Idaho post-Cal Poly, that's 23.8 points per game on the season. Patty. If we're talking where that ranks in the big sky on the year, where do you think that is? 23.8 points a game. I, I would assume around five to six would be my guess. You are quite generous, dude. Uh, that would, on the year, 
that would not be five or six. That would rank as the new, that'd be the new number 10 offense in the <laughs> nation. Uh, or sorry, in the big sky. Weber State was number 10 at 24.1. Cal Poly was number 11 at 20.5. So after after the Cal Poly game, ironically or not, Idaho was a barely above Cal Poly offense as far as p- points per game. So to make it worse, hey, where do you think that 23.8 points per game ranks nationally? That's got to be in the bottom 25 likely. Well, uh, now you have a little bit too much faith in the FCS, but that would rank <laughs> that ranks 75th in the nation out of 122 teams. So to put it to put it bluntly, I and now a lot of these were playoff teams, but not all of them were. Northern Colorado is not a playoff team. I, uh, Weber State not a playoff team. Yeah, they're talented, but they didn't. They certainly did not make the playoffs. So for more than half of the season. Idaho was a bottom tier offense in the big sky. And look, Mike Colts in the comment section saying, and because the offense struggled, they got too aggressive at times. And oftentimes they set their defense up very poorly with short fields. Yeah. Mike is Mike is dead on. And I guess that was, um, if there's any frustration at all fans had toward, towards, uh, you know, Jason Eck and co, which I throw an asterisk. Everyone loves Jason Eck. You and I love Jason Eck. I don't think there's a coach in the big sky I'd want over Jason Eck. I truly don't. So look, we, there's a ton that's going well. We already hit on how great recruitment is. We, we know this is not a, this is not a bitch session about the coach. We love Jason Eck. We don't want anyone else, but Mike is Mike's not wrong in that. For a team that wasn't very strong offensively, uh, they they gambled a lot. And hey, sometimes in losses, Mike is right. Uh, look, if had Jason Eck just taken the points against Montana in the first half, we're, we're talking about another another win for Idaho. Uh, you know that in against Albany, the the defense bailed the team out, but in the first half, uh, Eck went for it on fourth and five from the fifty against one of the best offenses, uh, which gave great field position to one of the best offenses Idaho played the entire season. Vandals got lucky their defense has held up that their end of the bargain. But that's what what I'm saying. Um, I don't know if anyone was clear that Idaho was never going to find the footing from earlier in the year. I think the coaching staff and I think fans for sure kept waiting for that team from the first five weeks to show back up. And guys, the season's over. The jury's in. They never did. No, Patty's new. So Patty, did, I I thought Patty, I thought you were going to jump in with anything extra Uh-oh. to talk about offensively. I'm I goofed up, my bad. I forget. No. Nope. It definitely felt like a story of two halves of a season. Uh the the first half of the season, the offense looked solid. We were able to get a running game going. And then that second half of the season, we really just seemed to struggle. Uh I think part of that might have been kind of some defensive matchups. We played some tougher defenses that second half of the year, you know. Montana, Montana State, Southern Illinois, Albany are all great defenses. But um, it, it definitely felt like we should have had more offensive production for the talent that there is at Idaho. Like, yeah, so there's a couple things I want to add here um, or want to hit on because there's some, some stuff in the comment section which is not wrong, but also not 100% the, the explanation. So we got um, Bart Holt saying – was the offense having problems scoring because their offensive line starters were injured? 
Now, look, Idaho, we we hit on this in some of the previews, pro football focus, but Idaho's offensive line as one of the lower rated in the FCS. So injuries to that lower rated group, obviously, uh, look, obviously that hurt. But the Bart, I want to I just, I just want to bring this up is I know that was that was part of why is there was some issues issues offensive line like, hey, Idaho really struggled against teams who ran three, three fives. Uh, you, you know, look at Montana, look at what we saw against Southern, Southern Illinois. Uh, there, some of the Northern teams that Colorado had also and, and Northern Colorado. Yeah. The teams that ran three, three fives and had the athletes to make it work. They just gave Idaho's O-line fits. Um, that's, that's true. It's also not fair to put everything on the O-line uh, for sure. There were certainly in the last few weeks, uh, there were times where McCoy certainly had time in the pocket and, Idaho wasn't able to make it work. Hey, we talked about it heading into the Albany game. Um, McCoy had some plays where it felt like he was holding on to the ball too long, whether that was an issue with play design or just an issue with progressing through the reads. Hey, that's two separate things to talk about. But if you have the time to hold on to the ball too long, it means the O-line's buying you some protection. So uh, O-line did, like, hey, O-line not being a, a level of Montana State, for sure, against playoff teams and against teams who ran an effective 3-3-5. That caused problems. But I don't think that was everything. And then, hey, we got uh, Jason Mayer saying, uh, Coach Eck likes to run the clock with a re- lead rather than aggressively scoring points. And, I look, I think that did contribute. But, I mean, I Idaho was trailing, the like in Montana, Idaho was trailing. Uh, 20 to zero that that was certainly not not the game plan against southern illinois idaho scored one offensive touchdown so did you know jason mayer question did that did the purposely holding on to the ball at times lower idaho's overall output because they just had fewer plays oh dude you're, you're probably right for sure sometimes it did but there were I mean, Idaho didn't score just 22 points against albany because they held on to the ball actually idaho went tempo a little bit more against Albany than the Vandals had against other teams. I, I mean, I think it was, I don't think there's a single facet to point to. I think you have a combination of, Hey, at times there are own O-line issues at times. Jason's right. Uh, holding on to the ball, maybe did slow things down a little bit and pump the overall point total down. You have uh, Taylor cash saying McCoy just didn't have the magic he did last year. Um, for some games, that's the case. Hey, uh, McCoy against Montana in the second half, he was electric. Uh, that was one of the best halves of that was one of the most incredible halves out of a quarterback, especially the last like fourth quarter plus part of the third that I've seen. But Taylor's 100% right. I mean, like we already hit on Albany. Uh, McCoy missed, he missed some throws. So, I mean, uh, there was no way to watch last season, Patty. Um, I don't know if I had a single Idaho game where I thought, the Vandals were going up against a quarterback who is who is better than Idaho had, and I mean for sure, uh, for sure, Poffenbarger was it was just different. He was he was connecting on everything and on deep throws. McCoy was kind of spraying it all over the place. Um, also, there's you know there's some accuracy issues on interme- on some intermediate passes in the Albany game, but again, uh, McCoy certainly had moments where he looked good, but he also had some games he struggled. Northern Colorado was a game he struggled. Uh, much of Weaver State, McCoy struggled. Um, honestly, it's kind of the last four, the last four games of the year he played, he struggled, but I also, Hey, Idaho didn't score that much against Montana state and McCoy was great against Montana state. I mean, that, that touchdown pass to pick up, to take the lead wasn't the type of play where you see McCoy and like, Oh Jesus, of course this guy could be an all American fit into window like that. So I guess Patty, I don't, 
I'm going to throw it back to you. I don't have a single answer about why Idaho was a, a, objectively not a good offensive team the last half of the season. What about you? I hate to say it, but I think the second half of that season, Vonnie's play kind of contributed to that. Um, he had a couple games where there was some very questionable decision-making. Um, one that comes to mind, that Northern Colorado game, there was a few few plays where he tried to fit it into windows that just were not there. And um, that combined with him holding on to the ball too long at times with, you know, a, a younger, inexperienced, and banged-up O-line, um, I do feel like Vonnie's play that second half of the season was tough. Uh, he would always have a couple magical moments. That Montana State game was awesome. Uh, you know, he'll have great throws, and he'll have amazing – amazing plays with his legs where he just breaks out of a sack and goes and gets that first down. But I, I think he's just a little inconsistent for what Egg likes to do on offense with the ball control aspect of it. That combined with that line being beat up, it, it leads to a, every once in a while, a pretty bad sack or every once in a while, you know, a interception that shouldn't have been an interception or getting stuffed stuff like that, that, I, I think it will be improved in the future. Yeah, so Taylor Cash adding there were a ton of must-have plays that Idaho made last year that they didn't this year. And I, the only thing I want to say narrowly on this is we're not missing that in spite of Idaho being worse offensively this season, in particular the second half of the season outside that Idaho State game, obviously this was an objectively better Vandal team than 2022. This was still a kick-ass team. Uh, there's still a lot we're stoked about. But – I guess Taylor put it the way uh, one way you can understand it. Um, I I don't disagree with what you said about, Hey, uh, we had some lapses out of McCoy, but also again, I think it was a scattershot of different games. Just different stuff went wrong. Like for example, against Southern Illinois, well, Idaho couldn't run against Southern Illinois, essentially the entire game. That was the same against Montana. Idaho couldn't run on Montana. So I guess the, the bigger picture to me, and we'll talk about this moving on is because look, Vonnie's gone. Woods is gone. Um, essentially look, Hayden Hatton, Jermaine Jackson, they're graduated or gone. So the playmakers offensively are all are essentially all gone, but I, look, I'm not happy to lose all Americans, but if you were to compare which side of the ball for Idaho needs to go back to the drawing board, Oh, it's easily, it's the offensive side that uh, the team needs to reevaluate or, it just needs to be different guys. Um, I think largely the big thing we're going to go back to is in the trenches. Idaho starts a lot of young guys. Jason X been open about this. It takes a while to build an elite FCS level offensive line. And I think that I think that's where the biggest development matters. We're going to hit um, a little bit of understanding into the future in a second. But before that, look, we got to talk about something that did go well for the Idaho season. Hughes River Expedition. Look. If you're if you're the kind of person who you and your family you, you want to spend time seeing the great out, outdoors you want to you want to see rapids you want to go on trips like you want to see the middle fork of the salmon salmon river or maybe you want to see the salmon river canyons or the Selway get a hold of Colin look the trips are all inclusive means they cover everything you just show up and that's it doesn't matter if you're a big group like doing some sort of business retreat or team building or if it's just just you and your family and you want to do the trip that you will never stop talking about for the rest of your life get a hold of Colin call him now 
4450 or check them out at hughesriver.com. So Patty, uh, we're going to have other episodes to talk more about the, about next season. And we're at the point where we know Idaho is going to get transfers into the program, but the early, the early time right now, this is when bigger programs are going to be poaching. So right now it's Idaho's turn to lose guys last week. It was Montana State's turn to lose guys. Whenever Montana's season finishes, it'll be their turn to lose guys. But hey, we're talking Vandals. It's our week. So Idaho loses four to the transfer portal. Let's uh, look, let's hit the big one. Uh, to me, the big one or the sexy one is quarterback. Um, Giovanni McCoy's gone. Don't don't know where he's going. He declared for the portal pretty dang yesterday. And hey, if you're a member of the hashtag only tubs discord, patreon.com backslash tubs the club, you uh you knew about McCoy leaving quite a bit before this was announced publicly. Um, I guess, how do you feel about the program, knowing that some of the, those big names, including the quarterback, are gone? Um, I, I know I'm not probably in the majority in terms of uh, how I think a lot of people were really freaked out when four of our major contributors are enter the portal, but I'm, I'm not too worried. I, I think there's guys that are going to be able to fill those roles. I I think coaches are going to be able to, you know, with Vani, I, I think Jack Lane is going to be the guy in the future. Uh, we've heard a lot of great things about great uh, about Jack Lane. Uh, I've been to a couple practices and the dude looks great. He has great arm, quick release. And so um, I think Jack Lane's style of a quarterback fits X offense possibly a little bit better than Vani. Which is to say a little bit more traditional pocket passer. Yep. Uh, a little more. Traditional pocket passer. I think he gets the ball out a little quicker. I, I, I think he has more legs than people give him credit for. But I just think Jack will fit the system well. And sometimes I felt like Vonnie's tendencies didn't fit the system perfectly. But I mean, time will tell. Yeah. So I want to hit um, Brian Kennison in the comment section. How important is it now that Jack Lane put on the show that he did against Idaho State to help numb the sting of losing McCoy? And then we also had um, had Jason Mayer, who I just lost that man. So maybe Martin can find it for us again. Uh, the portal giveth and the portal taketh. We'll have some players who aren't getting paid and are getting playing and aren't getting playing time. Um, I gotta say, surprise! I'm like you. I'm actually. Overall, I'm not that nervous. Losing Anthony Woods sucks when you don't know. He papered over some offensive line issues for sure. His ability to make guys miss, that that hurts. But I think natural offensive line development could just take care of that issue anyway. Hey, on paper, Eli Cummins is back next year too. We know guys like Day-Day Buchanan, who we did not get to see, are well, are were well-renowned as, as recruits. So... Running back to position places tend to replace. It's kind of like losing a shoot first point guard in basketball. It's scary when the guy's gone, but there are other guys who will give you most of what you lost. Um, I'm not really anxious at all about losing McCoy. I'm happy for McCoy's time here. I will always remember McCoy as the guy from his first season and the first half of this season through Montana State. That's how I I will in my head, even though, again, we had those games we spent a while talking about. That's what I'm going to think of uh, when I think of Giovanni McCoy heading out because he did give us some absolutely magical moments uh, in a lot of his snaps. But I mean, I honestly, I'm not convinced had he come back that there, he would have been declared a starter in the first place. Um, Jack, Jack Lane 
Jack Lane has looked good. Now he hasn't played any of the good teams. We do need to acknowledge that he's only played against, he's only thrown passes, I believe against Idaho state twice and Drake. So uh, that's certainly not Montana who's still alive in the FCS playoffs. That's certainly not Albany or SIU. So hold that in your head at the same time, but no, I, what, from what I saw, Lane is accurate. Uh, he re, he looks like he runs through his progressions pretty dang fast. And the thing I'll point to is in that Idaho State game, though he, again, Idaho State was garbage compared to like Montana. There were some guys who were getting their, their numbers called, or who were getting some catches, who we just didn't see get many catches this year. So that, that tells me that Lane certainly has the ability to run through his reads. So I'm... I'm not nervous at all. I'm happy McCoy was here. I want, I wish the best for him, wish the best for all the guys who left the program, but I'm, yeah, I'm not really nervous at all about the, what Idaho's lost transfer wise. Also, I just understood Marcus Harris is gone because he's been here for a while and he has his degree. Hey, if he's if you can get paid somewhere, go ahead, move on. Glad, glad I've had you. Uh, Therese trainers in the portal too. Not really. I'm not too nervous about losing Therese. Um, he was, he had that all big sky season in Petrino's last year, but I mean, since X been here, he he was injured in 2022, and you know, let's be honest, he was the number three receiver on the team. He's a real talented number three receiver, but he was the number three receiver. There's not that many catches to to have to replace at all. So, you know, I guess to pivot back to you, man, we we've hit you know talking about the team itself. So we're we're gonna close the episode relatively soon, but you know, Patty, I guess broader takeaway you have any broader takeaways as a fan don't don't worry about breakdown talk about your experience as a fan this year because i feel like there's a lot of people who are going to consider this team special it doesn't matter that mm-hmm. they don't have to know this is the third best fcs season i had to know that this was a special year but as a the fan man what what experiences did you take away from this season i 100 percent agree for me, it, it, it's different having the like student aspect of it. Um, I definitely had like a whole bunch of like, what am I doing here feelings last year growing up, you know, diehard Eastern fan. But um, I, I really found myself rooting hard for Idaho this year. And last year, I don't know if that was quite the case. It was like, yeah, I go Vandals. But if they lost, it wasn't a big deal. But like this year after that Albany game, like me and Martin were sitting next to each other and we just kind of sat there and reflected for a while and sort of were sad that the season was over. Um, I really, I do love Idaho now. Like I, and that wasn't a thing before this football season. I don't think personally. And that <laughs> who said I cried. Was that Martin? <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was just a fun year. It, I hadn't been to a playoff game in a couple of years and being back at a playoff game was just, it brought me back to enjoying football so, so much. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, look, if you've listened to the show for a while, then look, you know that we live through Paul Petrino and Zach Kloss at the same time. So you, then you look at this season where one of the concerns Vandals had, like, hey, Vandal PTSD, I bring it up, it's real. It's not yet DSM-5, but it'll, it'll get there, maybe the sixth edition, is Idaho, since the 90s, had not put together back-to-back winning seasons. So, like, hey, the bowl games, though they were fun for Idaho, like, look, we, we know this. Objectively, they built to nothing. The Vandal teams fell apart within two years. 
of all, if it took two years, of all of those bowl games. This team didn't do that. This team, this season, going nine and four on the year. And hit, let's go through the losses Idaho had. Look, Weber State was the worst loss. Weber State's a good team. Other than that, it was a FPS Cal and two semifinal playoff teams that Idaho lost narrowly to. That's if you're going to lose some games, that's it's okay. Those are okay games to lose. To me, this team took the step. And the fact that I got to watch a Vandal team take that next step from competitive to damn good, it was just a joy. Um, it's a joy and a celebration that for next when we start talking next year, we don't have to have the backdrop of, hey, like we're just happy that Idaho, Idaho doesn't suck. Now, we're not going to be like BSU fans. Uh, what, what we're going to do is where I think Vandal's going to do a good job of keeping in mind, like, Hey, not everyone wins a natty each year. It just doesn't work that way. But a new standard has been set. Uh, a new level of expectation in a good way has been set of, Hey, playoffs and a buy in the playoffs is probably the goal for Idaho. Every season moving in as your baseline. And I bet if you talk to the coaches, they are 100% serious that winning a national title is something that's their goal. And hey, the Vandals made a final eight. Next year, we get to talk about what does Idaho need to do to make it past the quarterfinals and be a semifinalist team? Or what do we uh, what do we need to do to, um, to, make, to try to be the next South Dakota State at this level? So I don't, that's what I'm going to take away from this is it was a fun, fun team. I fell in love with the team. Fell in, I mean, obviously the fans all came out. It was fun seeing everyone and, Everyone in the tailgate and everyone in the games. But this Jason Eck delivered on back-to-back good seasons. Jason Eck delivered on actual progression from season from the begin from last season to this season. And it's in I, I honestly had gotten to the point as a Vandal fan, Patty, where I I questioned whether that was ever going to be a part of our background of heading into a season where we're saying, yeah, playoffs and a bye is the goal, and we mean it. So um, that's closing in on a wrap of this season, guys. Uh, don't miss out on the, again, hashtag only tub discord. All we don't publish our tips for public consumption, guys. Our inside news, it goes to our patrons and it's, it stays there. Tom Kendall. So uh, patreon.com backslash tubs of the club. Um, Patty, because this is your first time hosting, I do have to give you our reversal, which is where you could ask me and Martin any question you want. doesn't have to do with sports. It can have to do with sports. But, hey, it's your first time here. You got to do it, man. Yeah. Okay. So this one's different. What was the most fun experience you've had in an away Vandal game? Martin, I'll let you go first. It was not an away game in like the sense of it actually being an away game. It was a Reno 2016, I believe, where Idaho played Montana. And I want to say in the semifinals or quarterfinals in men's basketball. And it was the first time I really kind of experienced the rival, like kind of the quote rivalry games against Montana. Cause those, some of those drunk Montana fans, it was like the first time I legit got like, pissed off at like away fans and I wanted to like fight them for once. But I would say I couldn't summon the band. So, so for me, by the way, Tom, Tom Kendall, you're forgiven, dude. Um, for me, 
it's kind of two at once. Like it, the most fun was last season, the Montana game. Took my my one and a half year old daughter at the time. She made it through the whole game. Look, I, I've brought this up, so I'll say it quickly. I was I grew up in a Grizz household. Both my parents are University of Montana alums. First time I ever saw a Vandal game was in the Kibbe Dome on the Grizz side in 1995. So going back, going to Montana now as a Vandal and bringing my own daughter there to the game and seeing Idaho pull off the upset. Holy shit, man! That that was an away experience. But I will say, dude, the Eastern experience. I, I got it. That was my first game on the road as a Vandal expecting a W. So that's a little bit different, guys. And again, talking about teams taking the next step, um, but like nothing's ever going to take away. There's something special about football in the fall in Missoula. Uh, It kind of feels to me like that's the point of that town is late fall football. But I don't know. That, that's my. I'm so I stop rambling. We can end the show, man. That's my answer, Patty. Well, hey, you're here. I'm gonna throw your question back at you. Your biggest vandal away moment. Um, I've only been to vandal games at Eastern, so you guys aren't gonna like this one. But uh, I was at the 2021 game when Barrier put up like 500 yards on Idaho. That was a pretty fun game. But um, I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> um, that that game holds a special place in my heart for different reasons. Yeah, that was definitely kind of the uh, felt like the turning point of the uh, that situation. But uh, also another another fun one is when I met. Uh, I think I met Brian Martin and Dallas for the first time in Cheney at an Idaho eastern doubleheader basketball game that i'd probably say that was number one because that was a lot of fun <laughs> oh yeah okay well hey so we're gonna we're at over an hour so we're gonna we're gonna have to call it a night but um hey just a reference point guys obviously as the roster changes as guys leave and as guys and the guys are going to come to the vandals man we got a signing class we'll be talking about at some point we're still going to talk football. Football never truly ends. But the focal point of the show is going to be shifting to football news and basketball. Uh, I probably just need to record a, a solo episode to summarize basketball so we can start reacting to individual games because you should be paying attention to Vandal basketball. Uh, they're, they're put, that team's coming together. But I want to thank, hey, for every patron who joined this year, thank you for your support. Uh, thank you to our sponsors. Snake River Stampede, Hughes River Expedition, and uh, we we got so, we got a little bit of sponsorship deal with the with some alums as well. Um, I want to say to everyone who makes the look, we bring up the Discord and tell you to join because you should. But for all of the Tubs team, and hey, you guys are a team uh, that help make the Discord the best online place to talk Vandals. So anytime there's Vandal news. You don't have to, if you're in the discord, you don't have to wait for a show. By the way, there's some stuff that we talk about in the discord. We're not allowed to talk about on the show. So I'm not kidding. You get, you do get some stuff in there that you don't get otherwise. So to everyone who makes the discord, a kick-ass special place. Thank you. Please stay there. Um, to everyone who views, views us live. we got 42 live viewers now, even as we're about to close it out. Thank you guys. Hey, to, I'm going to say this on behalf of walk on apparel. Dude, Idaho, Idaho has a shit ton of stuff from Walk On. They're gonna get more because you guys buy stuff. So, uh, to everyone who's supporting Walk On to help us get more kick-ass Vandal stuff, thank you. Uh, Tom Kendall saying up to 553 YouTube subscribers. Hey, hit that hammer that subscribe button. Help us out. 
uh, to maybe get some money from YouTube someday. But this was a special season um, to me. Uh, Patty is not in his end agreement. Martin is uh, staring. He's not doing a thing that rhymes with producing, but sound, starts with an S. But uh, Martin looks like he agrees. If Dallas is there, he would. Um, it kind of hurts a little bit still to be closing the book on this season. But again, um, it's been magic. Uh, can't wait for next season. Crazy to think that a couple years ago we'd hit the end of the hit the end of the season, and it was letting it was you know not like event session, but part of recording was letting everything go. And the thing I have to let go is I'm going to miss all you guys at the football games, and I can't wait till next season. Until then, as always, dude, go Vandals. Go Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.